<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to another week of Take Two. Happy Friday. We made it. I know it's been a short week for a lot of people, but... Politics never takes a break. So thanks for joining us. Greg Hughes here as always. Yep. And Jen Selig, his best friend here, to be his <laughs> counterpoint today. Best friends. Best friends forever. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, you are the former minority leader. We have a former uh, House Speaker. So I'm assuming that you two have had to have worked together nicely and sometimes oh, not so nicely famously. in the past. We've worked together famously. She years. For years. years. Yes. Perfect. So The eye rolls that I've endured from former Representative Seeley have been innumerable. Innumerable. Yeah, I can't even count. All right. Well, this is a holiday week, and one would think that holidays, you'd have a quiet week, but not so much. Yesterday, I'm going to go over a few of the topics we have to talk about. Trump had his parade, his salute to America. We want to talk yep. about how that went. The emergency on the border has not yet gone away. The Supreme Court making some decisions for the census. Uh, the Democratic debate is a week over now, but we've got some winners and losers out of all that. We want to start, though, with a local issue, and it's one that people have been paying attention to for a couple of weeks. It's been a tough one. 23-year-old Mackenzie mm -hmm. Lewick, and we know the charges are still forthcoming. It's going to be several days. I think we were thinking that it was going to be all quiet from the police department, but earlier this morning they held a news conference and said that they had found her body, which I think came as a surprise to many after thinking that maybe after the fire in the backyard, that's all they would find. But hopefully this brings some more closure to her family. There have been a lot of questions in this, though, because she is 23 years old. And it's vastly different when you're searching for an adult as opposed to maybe a child. Because once you have a child missing, you can really go after anything you want. But, Greg, this one maybe got rolling a little slower than you would when you see a missing, let's say, high school student as opposed to college student. Is there good reason for that? We have rights, and they have to be... That's kept right. in line even if it's, you're missing look this is this is such a tragic um situation and it's a it's a tough example when you're trying to weigh uh freedoms with privacy uh with security i i think we have to be careful though uh that we don't trade too much of our freedoms uh for that assurance of security there are ways uh that you could be where people would know your whereabouts every single day uh, and you could, under the banner of uh, safety and protection, maybe make that argument. But I think adults are different than children or minors. And so we have to be careful who we, how much of that freedom or how much of that privacy we'd be willing to give up. And there are adults that, even if family and, and others and friends might not know where they are, an adult might decide they just want to get off the grid a little bit. And so how do you weigh that? I mean, in this situation, maybe it would have been better to know earlier than later, but... I think generally as a practice, we do have to respect people's uh, privacy and, uh, and freedom. Yeah. And actually, I would agree with Greg uh, on that point about balance and weighing it. We do have mechanisms within our judicial system where police officers and others can go to a judge where they can weigh reasonable evidence to be able to access that very private information. Um, if fully transparent to people, sometimes that information could be used not to help them, but to harm them. Yeah. And I want to amplify Greg's point too, related to sometimes adults 
they don't want to be found, and they have a right to associate with whom they want to associate. Absolutely, and I know there was a lot of questions from people mm -hmm. online. When you have a case like this, I think it captures not just our community's attention, but the nation's attention. When you have a college student that's missing, there are so many people that are worried. Police have done an amazing job finding answers in a very short amount of time with a suspect that doesn't seem to be cooperating with them. We won't know yet, probably for another week or so, how soon they got search warrants. But definitely it's an issue, and you have to think about that as we go forward, because I think a lot of people were questioning, why didn't they do this sooner? Why didn't they do that sooner? But there are rules, there's laws, and there's yeah. procedures that have to be followed when you have an adult that's and I, missing. I've been thinking about this uh, for a while now. I really felt that, uh, Heidi, yourself, this station, I thought that there was a, that there was a decision made to lead out and inform the public broadly that there was there was something wrong or there was someone missing and that the family and others were finding it out of character or they were concerned enough that it was rising to a, a higher level. Uh, people might, uh, there must be, I, I don't know, I'm not in law enforcement, but I imagine there's missing people that, and that happens quite often. A lot, but, yeah. But I really do believe that a lot of this focus, a lot of this attention, this a lot of the sense of urgency came from uh, the public collectively understanding this more, I think that might have generated more tips or more feedback for law enforcement to be able to uh, follow through and find out what actually had happened. And so I do, I do credit uh, the, the conduit of communication through our newsrooms and, and uh, what you decide to see as a reporter and what you decide to share with the public at large. I think it made a difference in this case. Thank you. I certainly hope so. And I do believe that the community is great here in Utah about sharing things online. I think social media has changed a lot, whether it was getting the word out that she was missing or the police were looking for the mattress. So while these are tough cases, I think the community gets involved, tries to help, and um, now sadly wants answers as to why this happened to make sure it never happens again. So hopefully we can talk to our kids, talk to ourselves as adults, because there are so many dangers in this online world that we live in. Maybe we're taking this too far, but I want to ask you, Jen, because you might know this world, this tech world better. Mm -hmm. Heidi, you might too. <laughs> Aren't our younger people more trusting online than ever before? You have these dating apps, you have mm -hmm. these, I mean, the way people are communicating now, having never met them, not having them in their environment of where they work or where they live, and meeting complete strangers, even uh, as you know, when you travel, yeah. are, are we just at a time where there's a level of uh, familiarity from being world. online? It's it's weird to me, but I I think it's becoming there's a comfort level to meeting strangers or, or letting allowing strangers into your life uh, more so than before. I think you have a good point with that. Um, so thank you to Channel Two's and to Channel Two News and to yourself for highlighting some of the dangers that comes along with communication and trying to build relationships, um, connections, and opening yourself up and your life um, to any number of people. And it's not only there in the immediate sense, but also forever. It doesn't go away what yeah. people post, pictures, thoughts. Um, and we're all young people, we all, at some point, we all process information, we all do things, and to have a record of that, uh, not only in archive, but also in real time, is something definitely to think about and talk about. Uh, I applaud the police department, the Salt Lake City Police it's Department. They did an amazing job, yeah. Yes, for their energy and attention to this issue, um, and thank you all for using that horrific situation to inspire further conversations about safety and also 
about the expediency of social media in yeah. our yeah. lives. It's important. We can all be whoever we want to be online, and that's yeah. why you have to ask so many questions. Well, we want to talk a little bit about yesterday. It was the 4th of July, and everyone was calling the events in Washington, D.C., some that are happening annually and some that were new yesterday, the Trump parade and the Trump celebrations. But um, the salute, was so great. The official name we're was, all giddy about it, was aren't Salute we? to America. Let's start with you, Jen. So um, what did you think? There was a lot of buildup to it. There was a lot of people stressed about the idea of tanks on the streets of Washington, D.C., and that Trump was making it a celebration about him and not the country. Did any of that come to fruition, or was it a nice event and just part of the annual festivities? I believe in celebrating our country. I believe in gathering as community. <laughs> I think it is super weird that we would use weapons of war to blast off and highlight our country instead of focusing on our veterans, their families, the way that we have founded this country with freedom of speech, with religion. I just think that highlighting massive tanks and diverting money, lots of money that could be used for other things such as education, health and human services. Um, I think that's weird. The one the issue, didn't cost that much, Jen. The, uh, yeah, it's okay. tough to say exactly how much. It cost a lot yeah. of money, Greg. It did cost <laughs> money, it's and the festivities in D.C. always do. The one budget. question, though, is that the National Park Service said they did take $2.5 from the park services that were used for that. We don't know yet if Utah was affected, but we know that Zion National Park and all of our other big parks here around Utah definitely need more money in the pot to keep up with things going on. So how that affects them in the long run, I'm not sure. Yeah. President Trump said the money spent would far outweigh with what we got sure. in return. What did you think, um, ultimately? Did you watch his speech? It was long. I, it was I watched part of it. Yeah, yeah, it was long. So I, you know, it's a, it, I feel like we're still in the event of the 4th of July holiday. It's still the 4th of it's July It's still weekend. going on. It's a four-day I love parades, and I love parades that have veterans, and I love parades that have soldiers, and I love parades that have military vehicles in them. I love events, even sporting events, when we see those military, you know, the planes, the, the jets that fly over top before the, the sporting event starts. Um, those That is examples of American might. And why is American might important? Because I think we are the lone superpower in the world, and I think it's a scary world. And I don't think it uh, is one that we should take it uh, for granted. I think it takes a lot, a lot of people's energy, time, focus to keep us safe, to keep the world a safer place for everyone. And I think it's fun. I just... Look, I think that having that parade that they had in Washington, D.C. looks very much like the displays we see of the military and its presence at Hill Air Force Base or the parade that I attended yesterday in Provo. I think it's more related to the, the Trump derangement syndrome where whatever this president does for some, it doesn't matter what he does, there's an offense, there's a, there's a criticism attached to it. And I think that will ultimately work against the, uh, the critics of, of the president who may have what they feel are legitimate cri uh, criticism because if you criticize everything, if he, if he walks on water and you say he can't swim, I think there's a cynicism that can be develop over time. So I, I think that these criticisms just come as par for the course nowadays. It doesn't matter what he does, people will have a problem with it. Yeah. There's not a criticism about having a parade. It's about the amount of money and the focus on it. And it's not just about our national parks. It's about the people, the families, the individuals in Washington yeah. County, Grand County, Kane County, and their livelihood. And taking resources away in areas where they really get their 
economic support from tourism dollars to those areas. So it's not anti-patriotic and it's not anti-Trump to actually want to do a deep dive on how those dollars are spent. It's about being responsible taxpayers, about having responsibility and transparency in government. You yourself as a legislator <laughs> and on economic committees and so on and so forth, you questioned how dollars are spent. So two and that's just about the hiding two and a half million Trump. dollars spread over however many national parks we have. I want Congress, especially now that we have the Democrats leading Congress, to have as much worry and concern as you're sharing so that we avoid government shutdowns. So that because some of those things that happen have a far greater detrimental impact on our national parks and other services that we come to depend on that the federal government funds, those things have a ripple effect that is uh, indescribable and unrecognizable to two and a half million in this parade in DC spread over however many national parks we have. So I think the point you're making, I would like to see that spread across some other priorities or making sure that we can get good uh, budgets done and look at that debt ceiling so that if these worries about how we spend federal money and how it impacts people is a concern, which I hope it is. I think, yeah, we should worry about it all the time. One thing I thought was interesting was the political outrage. I'm not saying I support or didn't support uh, the events in Washington, D.C. It was interesting watching them, but I know the flyover was a big deal, and ultimately the military said the flyovers they would use as training time so it wouldn't cost extra money. And while we were focusing on the cost of that in all our local communities and states, we were having the same thing. For two hours, Hill Air Force Base here in Utah did flyovers over 11 parades. I think maybe ended up being 10 in the end because of weather last night. They were not able to fly over the Stadium of Fire. But no one ever asked the question here in Utah, are we wasting money flying over those parades? But it was the exact same thing happening here on a more local level with our national resources. Mm -hmm. Another thing that we didn't discuss about talking, but I was thinking about this today. There's been a lot of outrage uh, this last week over that Nike shoe release. And uh. Colin Kaepernick was like, take them away. It was the Betsy Ross flag on the back of the shoe. He said that it represented white supremacy. After thinking about it, I thought, okay, maybe that's possibly true. Maybe some groups have taken over that flag. I haven't heard about it in the past, but what was interesting is that all of a sudden I saw a video popping up from 2013 in President Obama's inauguration. He had four flags straight behind him, and two of them were the Betsy Ross flags. So how quickly we went from Betsy Ross flag is fine for a presidential inauguration to burn those shoes, never make those shoes, never use that flag. So I feel like some ways, do you feel like we're just trying to be angry about things politically lately and it's President Trump's fault or I don't know. It seems like we're in a weird new climate of everything's bad that wasn't bad two years ago. I think that people want to channel anger. If they can't do it in a positive, productive way, they're going to latch on to anything else. I do think, though, that it's important to examine, and such as yourself, and thinking about what we use as symbols in this country and in our communities and how they can impact people. Um, so that would be my take on yeah. that. So I, I, I'll tell you this. Um, Anti-Defamation League came out. They wanted to make sure that um, you know they, they monitor these things. They have what they have a list of, mm. of hate speech or hate symbols. That or what people, they use. Or what the public should be very sensitive of to make because these things happen. Yeah. And they do... And they do the things we don't want to have happen in our country, and that is divide people. Yeah. Uh, the Betsy Ross flag is not a symbol of hatred. It's or not one of their uh, noted, listed uh, sim symbols of hatred. And I think that the problem that's going on right now is if we are a melting pot in the United States, I just think that identity politics and finding offense in every 
thing that we do as a society and finding, I mean, I just think it just pushes, pulls people away, divides people at an extent, even if it was done for the best of intentions, we have to, we got to pause here a little bit. Everything cannot be offensive. Everything cannot be an offense. And that flag, the day that the 13 stars in a circle on the flag that Betsy Ross sewed together, when that all of a sudden is so controversial, and by the way, Nike doesn't care about any of that. Nike cares about making money. Yeah. Nike will pull that when Colin Kaepernick tells them to because they think, well, oh, maybe the demographic we want to sell shoes to cares about that. But when they make shoes in China and one of the designers of their tennis shoes in China is controversial to that central government and they tell China or tell Nike, don't uh, make that shoe, they're quick to pull that shoe off of the shelves too. What's the common denominator? It's not sensitivities. It's not human rights. It's not any of those things that people are attaching. It's they want to make money. That's what Nike yeah. cares about. They don't care about any of this, but they want to sell shoes. The way to do it by dividing people or creating controversy, I think, has a, has a ripple effect that is not good. I just hope they didn't all go in the garbage dump. I'm a, not a big fan of waste, but I don't know who you give them to where you don't offend people at this point either. All right. Um, another big issue this week is the emergency on the border. A lot of the Democrats who are running for office right now have gone down to the border. They've gone down to um, some of these detention centers and they've been taking pictures. They've been going inside. There's obvious concern. There are reports coming out right now that maybe there are human rights that are not being met right now. It's a tough situation. What do we do next? Well, I'm glad about the money, the emergency money that's been allocated down there, because at least in the short term, we can address some of those emergency situations. But until people get together and have real policy discussions that are solution-oriented, that elevate all human beings mm-hmm. and their, the dignity and worth of all people, we're not. this is just going to be a stopgap measure. But can $4.6 billion really change the problem right now? When you have as many people as you do coming into the country and they're trying to figure out what to do with them, they're crowded into these centers. Um, is there a way to pour money on that and fix the problem? I don't think it's fixing it. I think that it's helped creating a bridge to get to where we want to go because doing nothing now is is not it's not acceptable yeah it's a tough situation so what do we do because i don't think i mean obviously congress the united states whether it was the president people living in communities everyone's looking at this and thinking okay this is a mess we need to fix it how do we fix it congress hasn't fixed it can you fix it with this money because you can pour money at things and not necessarily fix them the problem is we don't have cities waiting for people coming into the country where we can always treat them the way that humans should be treated so the problem i think that the root cause of this is this is a political football i think that the money that would be allocated i think it was necessary and and but you're hearing very different uh, narrations. At first, there was there was a, this was a, a manufactured crisis. There was no crisis, and then when we saw that the system was being overwhelmed and people were coming, remember this is voluntary, by the way. This isn't. I, I really don't like the the analysis to concentration camps because I think it demeans the and and actually it is no comparison to a to the Nazi Germany that would pull and rip people out of their homes and off the streets and and relegate them to places where horrific. Uh, things that happened. People are coming to this. It is a very dangerous situation. It is a system that is clearly overwhelmed. Uh, even the, the judges, in, and pick the judges and whichever presidents yeah. uh, nominate these judges from either party, 70% of those asylum cases are not granted. But in the meantime, where do people, when they're waiting for that asylum case to be heard, where do they go? The system is not set up 
to, to house or to accommodate those people, and yet you see the numbers growing. I think the numbers are growing in an attempt to overwhelm that. But when you have members of Congress that will come and say they're being forced to drink out of a toilet, and then you have a minister that is there the same day that says we saw nothing that even resembles that, we're still too political about this. We have got to figure out a system that is fair, that is good, that will treat people with respect. But honestly, we, there, there are people that were upset that the dollars, there were Democrats that didn't want to see those dollars allocated and felt that that was somehow uh, capitulating to yeah. the president and the administration. We're not going to get this right until we stop seeing both sides of the aisle this being politicized. We have got to get to a place where we're just going to go and find out what root causes these problems are. If people are attempting to overwhelm it, to break it down or to see it not work, we got to identify and be honest about that. What we do with people looking for help, we need to make sure that we're being helpful yeah. and, and, and not putting people in further distress. I'm hoping that Congress, when they're back in session again, can really sit down and talk about this because people keep pushing off DACA. They keep pushing off all the immigration reform. But until Congress really makes some firm decisions that really have probably been put off for decades, we're going to have this problem. I think the humanitarian crisis comes in that we know that these people are willingly crossing the border, going through these awful situations, wanting to come to what we all have here, which is the United States of America. And they're willing to stay in these detention centers, even though we're saying we're holding them there. Uh, there's some word smiths wordsmithship. I can't even figure out what that word would be. But, I mean, they're coming here knowing that that will be the situation they are in. I'm hoping that as a country we can figure out to make it a better, cleaner, safer situation that if it were our own families that yeah. we're in that empathy. situation. We can right? do that. Empathy. empathy. Yeah. I would actually agree with both of you most my, this is going to kill you. But I, yeah. It does. It hurts. Just, just, Part of just say hi. Don't say it's <laughs> me. Especially being like outcomes oriented and putting the politics aside. One thing I will push back on, though, about people coming here willingly. Yes, but we don't know the circumstances from where they come, and they be, may even be more horrible. And there may be some circumstances that you really don't have a choice. You don't have a choice to survive and thrive with your family in certain circumstances. So. Let's not just assume that um, all choices are equal there. It is true. They're coming here for a better life, and unfortunately the process for making sure that better life is happening is not an easy one or a good one. And it's definitely been happening for decades. So I'm hoping that Congress can pull it together. Call your uh, uh, congressman, call your legislators, help them give them ideas to fix this, because apparently we need ideas, right? Yeah, I'll actually, I want to I want to amplify one of Greg's points, too. You're doing that a lot in this show. I love this. I, just keep doing this, Jen. I'm doing it beautiful. just as much as you are. Yes. So one, okay. uh, one visit that Speaker Lockhart and I did um, when we were both in leadership was go to D.C. and talk to the entire delegation about this issue of immigration. And we went together. And the most remarkable and fun part about this, actually, was that when anyone tried to pull partisanship with it, we were both there together and called them on it. Um, I forgot and about that. Was, anything that was happened, though, from it. Because that's the question. You can go there and talk to them, but did you see any action from what that conversation you had there at the table? Did anything happen after you left? I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, hard hard thing. Thing. what do you no. think? Well, hard to measure. I, I think it's unrecognizable within the Beltway. I, I forgot. I was majority whip at that time. Yeah, but Speaker Becky Lockhart, yeah. uh, first female presiding officer of the Utah's House of Representatives, or and there hasn't been one in the Senate. Jen Selig, she was the minority leader. They were. They 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 really did lead out on a, yeah. on a bipartisan. We want to talk about policy, 
and leave the, the partisanship behind. Um, this is why Congress doesn't, they don't operate that way. They didn't operate the way our Speaker of the House and our Minority Leader uh, worked together. Yeah. It's, it's foreign to them. When I keep hearing presidential candidates talk about all the executive orders they'd like to dream up or they'd like to do, <laughs> It's actually Congress's job to actually pass those laws. And it, it is true. It, we need that. And so I think that, you know, you don't need a president to have an executive order for DACA. You need a Congress to pass a, a fundamentally sound piece of legislation that accommodates for children that were brought here under no, you know, power of their own. Yeah. And they've grown up here. Congress needs well, to do their job. Although I will say that it is, it's going to take all the branches working together, particularly legislative and administrative, to make this, to pull this off. Because Congress can do the infrastructure. And I, I applaud your call for them to work together. We also need a president and an administration who will fill in the tissue areas from the legal infrastructure. It's true. Skeleton. And we haven't seen that happen because the problem is, is you need compromise. I don't think Democrats are going to get their way. Republicans are not going to get their way. And nobody wants to compromise when they've got an election. And there's always an election around the corner. And therein lies the problem because President Trump hasn't done anything. President Obama, President Clinton, Bushes. I mean, you look back, this is something that any one of these presidents and the Congress could have accomplished and nobody has. So... Hopefully this will be the time and we can make it happen. All right, Democrats, they're um, in the spotlight right now. It's been a week now since they had their debate. I watch. I didn't get to watch all of it. We had the mayoral debate at the same time. We had breaking news. But I watched the two different nights, and I was like, whoa. Because with the 20 people we had, some of them I was thinking, is this the best our country has to offer? And then there were some shining moments. Were there anyone, anyone on the stage that stood out to you? You were like, okay. I've got my candidate. I don't know, right now, I'm I have a strong affinity for Senator Harris. Okay. Um, I also appreciate some of the potential solutions that were thrown out by Castro related to our immigration processes. Um, I appreciate the Harris pushback on busing issues. And so those are things that are intriguing to me um, right now. I'm also really happy that Senator Harris is coming here. I believe on yeah, the July 17th, 17th she'll uh -huh. be here. Um, I do wish that there was more of uh, opportunity for public appearance, like when Senator Warren came and had the event at uh, Yeah, she the had Depot. a public event. Yeah. Right, it was ticketed, but it was free. Um, now, I'm not naive. I know that people need to raise money to be able to run for office, but it's also really nice when people can, can get out there and meet people in a wide variety of venues because it's not only the money. It's about coming to a formalized place and a formal dinner or a formal lunch, and that can be super intimidating to yeah. people too. So that's sort of my takeaway from all the debates at this point, and I'm waiting to see how it flushes out. I am excited to see Kamala's hair, Kamala Harris. I'm still trying to nail saying her name. I want to say it differently. But Kamala Harris coming here to Utah is exciting. I think when Senator Warren came here, it was exciting. Utah, even a couple of years ago, we were an ATM where candidates would come yeah. get some cash and they would leave. That's what I was they thinking. didn't want to have a conversation. So I'm excited to see them coming. One thing I thought was interesting is this. Um, I think a lot of people who were looking to see who the most centrist person would be would be Joe Biden. He did not have a great night. He did not come off the debate <laughs> probably feeling as well, confident as like uh, Kamala Harris did. Was there anyone else that you watched where you were well, like winners, losers? Yeah, I know. The winner, the winner of both nights was Donald J. Trump. The, the president won those debates <laughs> walking away. By his it tweet, was beautiful. Said boring. No, no, no. Caps. Let me tell you something. This is what I watched both nights on okay. NBC. 
I didn't get it filtered. I didn't have people just edit little parts. I watched you from watched beginning to end debates. both nights, all 20 candidates. I will tell you this. The race to the left of how liberal or how they could out, you know, out left each other and how, how socialist they could sound or be or promote was astounding to me. And in fact, I found it to be the most intellectually honest Democrat presidential debate I have ever watched. I thought, you know, usually you hear these things in like muffled audio that someone in a closed... Uh, Admitting you know, they want to do something. Yeah, that we, okay. you know, we want all, we want everyone to come, we want to decriminalize uh, border crossings and, and without any documentation. And you'd hear this on a, you'd see it on a grainy video at a fundraiser or in a muffled audio at some, you know, closed meeting. No, they were all raising their hand. And I thought, I thought Vice President Biden was hilarious because I think he understands, you called him a centrist. I think he understands that in a primary, it's a race to the left. Who can be the most liberal to appeal to their base? But then they have to sprint back to the middle. It happens to, on the right and the yeah, left. Yeah, and You're it happens on both parties, right? Yeah. But they had this great process where they'd say, show of hands. Show of hands, how many people would like you to be able to come across the border with no documentation, decriminalize it, no documentation, come across? It was a commercial for President Trump, I feel like. Vice President Biden, he makes this motion, and one of the moderators says, Vice President, are you, do you have something to say, or are you raising your hand? You have to hit your head. I'm raising my hand. And it was almost like, I really would have liked to have been viable in the fall, but I will not be if I don't. You know, outperform these people right now. And I just found that you cannot, at the same debate, say, I want to decriminalize border crossings without any documentation. At the same time, you're saying, let's provide health care for everybody who's here that's not documented when people across this country are paying a fortune out of their household income for health care. It does that. It has the effect of dividing people and making them feel you're not going to win Pennsylvania that way. You're not going to win Wisconsin that way. I mean, you're not going to. You're. I find I found those debates to be astounding, and how far they wanted a thousand dollars a month for every person. They wanted to wipe out all student debt. I got an idea. Most people don't have a college degree. Let's have taxpayers pay off everybody's student debt who didn't go to college. Because that's what you're essentially saying when you say that the government's going to yeah. wipe out people's college, college, uh, their their student debt. These positions cannot be held in the fall, and the Democrat candidate expect to prevail. It, it just that's why I say that Donald Trump has a lot of footage for a lot of commercials that will come up in the general election. <laughs> I have a question I don't think about he'll be that. able to articulate so, his way out of that conversation <laughs> with any Democratic candidate that was on those stages, and oh. it's a fallacy for you to keep saying about decriminalizing the border because that's that was the not, question. They answered then, it that way. In addition, the expense of health care—you can't blame that on immigration stuff. No, you they can't. asked Jen. They asked, "Would you would you support undocumented residents having?" Healthcare right. insurance. I, I'm not debating that. And what I'm debating is the fact is that you just then make su- made some logical fallacy leap about how everyone is paying so much money for healthcare and drawing it that is the direct causal. No, I'm saying that you okay. can't. It can't sustain itself that way. You can't have a border on without any. You can't it have people a lot come across money. and then continue to cover people. Uh, who pays for all this? I just don't know what printing press is going to print enough money to pay for all the promises you heard over those two nights. It doesn't exist. That is one of the questions. And uh, our friend Greg here just brought up the issue. <laughs> <Our> um, <laughs> I am our friends. Admit it. You know I am. He brought up paying off debt. And um, 
I learned this about you this week that you have a PhD. Do you still have student wait, debt after wait. all of these years? Uh, she I don't tortures want to me to with this PhD. Okay, so I'm excited yes, to hear this. Thank no. you. Oh, student I think it's debt. A, yeah, so I think do yes. you still have student debt? I have. Yes. So I. Okay, it's not. I'm just teasing, but I I have to stop talking. This. Okay, you Please have stop to be talking. Nice for just okay. a stop minute. talking. Okay, okay. Okay, so, so you have student debt. Yes, I have. Um, I have had the, the privilege of having my family be able to contribute some at different points in my life. Uh, largely, my education has been paid for by myself. Um, in some cases, I've been able to pay as I've gone. In other cases, I've had to borrow money or grants or things like that and kind of cobble together yeah. this. Um, it is very expensive, and I do have some remaining debt. Should the government pay off your debt? Uh, I believe in incentives for good um, performance in school. I also believe in incentives for career choice afterwards, mm -hmm. uh, education, uh, medical, that. and things like that. Um, and I do believe that um, for... A basic four-year degree or for training in trades if people perform and they are demonstrating that they are putting back into this economy that there should be financial help substantial financial help now I don't know about a hundred percent but enough so that every kid who wants to go into a trade or who wants to be able to get a two-year or four-year degree to help build a profession that will be accessible because right now it's not. But can you go back and wipe out the debt? Because I'll look at the way I went to school. I did not have money. My parents um, helped us where they could, but I paid my tuition, I paid my housing, my food, my everything. Right, don't forget your books, too. And my books and everything. Huge, right? And I somehow made it out of college because I lived very. Uh, I was very careful with my money. I went hungry sometimes. I worked two or three jobs in the summertime. I did jobs during school. So you have people like that that went through school and somehow made it out without debt. And there's others who live la vida loca and they have a fancy car and they're going out to eat and they're having a great time building up this debt. Is it fair to go back though in hindsight and just pay off debt when some people really were very careful trying to get through school without mm -hmm. debt. And then some people were like, woohoo, party. I don't think like, it's a license. I mean, you have a good yeah. point about that, about responsible spending. Yeah. I spent responsible, responsibly yeah. as well, too. Um, so it's not a free pass by any means. But right now, the financial situation with um, school, higher ed in particular, it is expensive. It is, it is not accessible to every, it's, but, it doesn't meet the promise. Don't, but. What? I, I've been what? listening for so long. Can I? I just Greg wants to turn. Okay, so you've got a college so, daughter. It's so not expensive. Me, it, it's, it's expensive. Yeah, I, I want to say this cheap. about. And, but Utah, let's let's face it. When you look at college debt and you look at how much uh, higher education costs around the country, we are fortunate in Utah that the that the college of tu the, the the cost of tuition is a lot lower and more manageable in Utah than in other states. Absolutely. Um, what we're discussing is about, I don't know, miles deeper than what was asked in that debate. In the debate, it wasn't even means tested. It was, we're just going to get rid of all this. This 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 college debt is larger than credit card debt. We're just going to wipe it all out. It wasn't even a discussion like we're having. I do think that there's areas like for health, for health care. If you can't find physicians that would live or be in an area that's hard to find professionals there, that if someone was willing to live in a rural area that they normally wouldn't, that could help maybe if there was a pay down of yeah. their college debt to, to make some of these career decisions or, or choices that would help uh, the community broadly. I think that's a smart idea. That wasn't what they were talking about in that debate. It was just, let's just wipe, wipe it all it out. out. And so I think that, I think that 
And if all we ever do is talk about the the, the, the paying side of it, I think the cost of higher ed continues to go higher as well. I think the day that the federal government said, we're going to pay for it all, you would see college tuition potentially theoretically double go because it would be someone else that would be paying that bill. So we've got to look at what what are we getting and what, 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 what type of jobs can you have with a degree or a certificate uh, to be able to pay off debt? Is it is it commensurate? Those decisions or those discussions on what the cost of higher education is, yeah. or, is or if you have a, a certificate, what is that cost? That has to be stared at as closely as who's going to pay for it or how it's going to be paid. You have to have those conversations at the same time. And we win in having this discussion because in that debate on either night, they didn't talk like this hey, about but it. You can't. I appreciate your point with that because there is a lot there. There is a lot of detail and experience there and is. your I'm, lived wisdom related to it, for and example. And everyone has a different story as to how it went, but I just think when you go back in retrospect, there's a lot of people who will look at this being like, that's not fair, so we're going to put all this money under the government, and other people thinking, yeah, this is fair, I've worked hard, you know? Well, then maybe the yeah. solution is to provide more platforms such as this one, because I don't think that it is fair to go after the candidates in a debate-type platform when everyone's given like 45 seconds and sometimes not even that to delve into a topic that's not right and it wouldn't be right for you or Heidi if you decide to run for office oh I'm going I to I mean then to to really criticize about lack of pith in a discussion when the platform isn't there to have it Hopefully, so when why, we narrow it down, you could it will call be. for that. Why don't you take your negative energy and turn it into a positive <laughs> and I'm call ready. for more venues where people are having this type of dialogue? And those venues do happen. This is an interesting little story here. We're running out of time, but the Hinckley Institute during the last presidential election had a lot of candidates come talk and talk to students about issues. And most college students, I think, tend to lean a little left as opposed to right. Not all, but many of them while they're in college. And the group that they had there, what, say it? I don't know. Not some, some of the ones that I've taught for you sure. So, no. Oh, yeah, hallelujah. It's, it's, they're it's more conservative. It's about time. <laughs> I thought it was I a fashion a of Maybe, but generally I think people think of when college kids are younger, so maybe it's not true or not. Critical thought. Critical, critical thought lends itself to It's the true. Left. But yeah. there was these kids in a room, and I don't remember which candidate was talking to him, but he was talking about uh, making sure the college education was paid for. That was one of the big mm. uh, platforms for Bernie Sanders. And he was like, raise your hand if this is something that you're on board with. And I have no idea of the political affiliation of these students, but they all raised their hand and all thought it was a great idea. And then he talked about the fact that this wouldn't be instantaneous. This won't help you. This will help students down the road. How many of you are still in favor? Very few hands went up because all of a sudden the thought process of my taxes as an adult when I have a job are going to mm -hmm. be paying for other college students to get free college, but not me free college, <clears throat> all of a sudden sounded a lot less sexy. So that's why I think we do have to have these discussions right. to think about what is worth our money? How can we fix the educational system? How do we and, fix health care? And look, yeah. if what you're saying, Jen, is true, that when a 45 seconds or one minute ability to explain an issue uh, it makes is it true. hard for us, let's not default to the position of, okay, We'll wipe it all the, all the debt off, but if you want to know how or who or why, we'll have to talk later. How about say no? I don't believe that we're going to wipe it all out. Um, there are ways to address the issue more specifically. You can quickly answer that question without the broad strokes that were being taken. I keep going back to this debate because, again, never have I heard more honest, candor, and, and positions that I don't think – that mainstream America are going to identify with. And so some of those broad brush positions that were taken, I think are going to find 
uh, some resistance in the It'll in the be country. interesting to see how it happens. I am told that we are out of time. No, but honesty had, is always the best policy. How many policy. more topics did we have? We had I know. More. We had one more. We didn't get to talk about Supreme Court issues. So we're oh. going to have to do that next week. We are happy census to the census issues. You just need to agree with me more census. than we could go no, faster through not, this stop show. No, talking. Census <laughs> issues. This is really important. I hope it's discussed. We absolutely okay. will. I wish we had more time. See, you guys are so fun talking to you that we just run out of time. So thank you so much for thank being you. here yes. this thank week. Thank you. Greg, thank, thank you, you. Thank you both thank of you. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> happy Fourth of July weekend. Happy holiday weekend. Absolutely. I hope uh, we see more tanks and planes flying all weekend long. Subscribe to the podcast. More people, families at parades, building community. Yeah. That wow. Too. These yeah. two. Best friends forever. Best thanks friends. for <laughs> thanks for watching. Subscribe and we'll be back next week.